Okay, so today we're going to talk about something that's not often talked about, but when it is talked about, it's it's usually quite funny. We're really aiming to please today and have one of those universally relatable conversations. And are you you proud of what we're about to talk about? Um, yes and no. Not in maybe the specifics of the stories that we're going to share, but proud that we're at a point maybe in our relationship that we can be so open. I'm I'm pretty proud of my story. That, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you so, should be. So what we're getting at here, folks, is we're going to talk about, uh, well, there's no other way to say it other than shit stories. Yeah, we're going to talk about poop. Shit stories. We all we all poop. Shit stories, yeah. Yeah. Um shit stories. So if uh if you want to turn back now, you you can, but if you want to be entertained and laugh at our expenses expense, no plural, um, then this is the place to be. We've got you covered. We've I've got a story I wanna tell that I don't think I've ever told you that's that's quite funny. Oh gosh. <clears throat> Live on the air and everything. Live on the air or live to That's the recording. I've probably got a few tricks up my sleeve too. Well, we'll see. I've told uh, this one is it's pretty pretty good. Well, we'll get into it. Um, so what do you want to what do you want to talk about first? Which story do we want to play from our book? Well, I'll just say this is your as you've kind of alluded to. This is your. It's the point of no return if we keep going here. So you've been warned. We are going to tell you a couple of kind of kind of gross, I guess, stories, but they're more funny than anything. They're at our own expense that you'll be laughing. Yeah, we're here to entertain, and we just want you to have an open mind, an op- open heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in our book, you and me, Mike and I each share our worst shit stories while traveling. So I'm sure we all have a pretty bad story from some point in our life that might be coming to mind right now. Just take a minute and drop into that and take drop, a deep breath. Visualize in. that moment in your life that... Uh, <laughs> drop into the shit zone. Drop into your shit zone. So we're going to go into telling you our worst shit stories. Like I say, for traveling, these are both from our book. Why don't we start with mine? It, it does come first in the book. Yeah. But I would say yours is a little more, I think yours is more disturbing and mine's a little bit more surprising in the resourcefulness of it, we'll say. Yeah, I I agree on those fronts there. And I think that these are from travel stories and especially when you're in a place where the foods are all foreign and there's just circumstances that you're not used to this is inevitable that it's going to happen like if you're if you're especially if you're you're backpacking and oh you you will get diarrhea living on a budget (laughs) like yeah (laughs) drinking different water and all the things just the eating at uh food stands what do you what do you call them yeah stalls street food street vendor (laughs) stalls (laughs) 
There I is a, a stall coming up I in need your a story. Cheeseburger. Let's go over to that stall. <laughs> I'd love a cheeseburger stall. I also want to point out that uh, Kristen has just purchased uh, the only thing I can call it is a old lady heating pad. One of those things you plug in that grandmothers have and they wrap it around their body. To... I And I will say for the record that I would bet money that you will be using this heating pad and all your envy. Oh, Our I'm... cat George has already discovered it and he looks like a stoned little, I don't know. He's He's really into it. He's happy for sure. Yeah. Okay. You'll, you'll warm up to it. I, I know. I just it? I just want to make fun of you because I know. you look like you're 85. I'm over okay there. with it. I'm all right with it. I am going to get one of those waterproof bonnets as well that you suggested. Yeah. That's going to roll with cool. it. Some slacks. Complement and complete the, mm-hmm. the 85 year old vibe you're going for. Yeah. You're stuck with me. I'm just going to, I'll change my style I, as, I, over the years. I'm not saying it's bad. I just, just have to, to point it out to listeners. I'm nice and warm over here. So. It is functional. Yeah, it's great. Good. I'm at ease. Okay, well, without further ado. Let's talk about shit. Here is Kristen's poop story. My worst poop. It was the worst confession I had to make in my marriage. Mike and I were soaking in a warm bath one night, discussing future plans, goals, and dreams, all the things you do in a cozy tub. I felt it was time I shared a secret I had been keeping, something that had happened years before and had caused a great deal of grief, something I feared may change the way he looked at me but needed to come out. It was about a dramatic, or possibly traumatic, poop I had had. Travel pooping may be an overlooked subject in guidebooks or advice blogs, but it's something we're all faced with. Travel pooping, not to be confused with pooping while traveling, can be the most memorable story you bring home. Most travelers, particularly those who journey through countries with obscure foods, questionable water, and scalding climates, will know exactly what I mean. Bathroom strategizing and pre-planning is essential. Knowing a bathroom's proximity is important. Having toilet paper on person is imperative. I learned why this was the case due to an unfortunate circumstance that took place in the early years of our dating. This is the same story I told Mike for the first time that night while sitting in the bathtub together. It's a story I had never told anyone. Even at the time that it originally happened, when we were already madly in love, I didn't feel I could share this with him. I judged myself too much. But shit stories are inevitable and unfortunately plentiful. And if we were going to spend a lifetime traveling together, it was time to come clean on what I had done. We were traveling from Chiang Mai, Thailand, to a smaller northern community called Pai. It's a popular destination, typically appealing to a younger, hipster-type crowd. While the town itself is lovely, the trip to get there is not. Passengers are warned before boarding the eight-seater cube van that the road is very twisty and turny. It's a 509-meter climb up a mountain, stretched out over 293 switchbacks from bottom to top. We sat at the back of the cube van with our bags and other luggage stashed under the seat in front of us. There was an eclectic mix of travelers, many speaking different languages but sharing the same sense of nausea. 
After about 188 turns, one of the dudes in front of us couldn't take it any longer. He vomited all over our stashed-away luggage. From that day on, my purse, which took the brunt of the trauma, would be referred to as the puke bag. But that's not the gross part of this story. The gross part happened shortly after the puke when the van driver pulled over for the sole scheduled bathroom break. There are many of these roadside stops throughout Thailand. A few vendors sell fried plantain or bags of fresh fruit. Every so often, you'd get someone making hot soup or barbecue meat. The food always costs less than $2 and is the best you've ever had. The stops are usually outfitted with public washrooms, too. A biscuit-sized Thai woman sits at the entry of the cement pisshole selling squares of toilet paper prior to your permitted entry. A toilet toll, so to speak. It was always cheap and always worth it, because you almost always have the shits while traveling. On this day, there was no biscuit-sized Thai woman selling toilet paper at the washroom. I charged through the opening in the cement wall and dove headfirst into a bathroom stall. Muscles I didn't know I had started contracting involuntarily. It was both a mental and physical battle not to shit myself as a grown woman. In a foreign country, when you're hours away from your own private bathroom, it was even worse. My pants could not come off fast enough as poop anxiety sweat ran down the nape of my neck. It was the kind where you start self-talking. Almost there. You're in the bathroom. Just one more second. Hold it the fuck in. Hovering over the carved-out hole in a sumo squat, I felt a rush of relief wash over me. One more day without crapping myself in public. I looked over to grab the toilet paper. My instincts told me the paper was just an arm's reach away. It wasn't. The only thing in sight was the dirty plastic ice cream pail filled with water that you use to flush the shit down the hole. This is the Thai way. There was no toilet paper because the biscuit woman was not there to sell me any. I heard the van driver honk the horn. That's the signal for, get back here immediately or I'm leaving without you. My short sense of relief skyrocketed back to maximum panic. This is not a pee in the woods and do a cute little wiggle and everything is good kind of situation. It was the opposite of that. I had to have toilet paper. I started digging around in the puke bag, desperate to find a scrap of something that passed prepared traveler me stashed away in effort to be nice to future has the shits me. I had nothing. I was still hovering in a shit squat, small pieces of poop debris flying around as I frantically emptied all the inner pockets of the vomit-covered bag. I was going to be left behind in a Thai bathroom with only a faded shit bucket and my own disgrace. Amidst my thrashing, I noticed one more item in the cement cell of a bathroom stall. A second cheap plastic bucket that was a garbage can. It was filled with used toilet paper from days past. Even now, I wish the story from this point on went differently. I still struggle with self-judgment and shame about what happened next. But desperation permits actions that we would not otherwise take. I had no choice. I waddled over to the bucket to see if I could find a wad of tissue that had clean ends. The parts that are used for gripping, not wiping. The parts that are still white and on the fringe of other people's bathroom stories. I managed to tear off one to two squares worth from a few separate balls. Cumulatively, I had enough that I could pinch the small Q-tip size worth of other people's toilet paper between my fingers. I did a surface wipe with it. Just enough that it would only leave streak marks and not chunks in my underwear. It was survival. 
It was the lesser of the evils. The van's engine was running. Mike started yelling for me. I ran out of the bathroom filled with horror and humiliation. I felt like I had just committed a crime. I could never tell Mike what happened. I was afraid of what he might think of me. I wanted him to still find me attractive and sexy. This would surely destroy that honeymoon phase we were enjoying. The blood had drained from my face and confidence from my psyche. I sat quietly, holding the puke bag close to my body as a way of covering up my embarrassment. I swore then that I would always carry extra toilet paper with me. I do it now just going to the grocery store, hanging clothes on the line and getting a snack out of the fridge. That situation will never happen to me again. Travel tip! Always, 100% of the time, no matter what, bring toilet paper with you wherever you go. Kazam! So there we go. That that just happened. Yeah. I'm you proud. you picked out toilet paper. Use toilet paper. Yes and no. I we'll get do we want to play your story? No, I'll as talk well, about yours. Or, first. Okay, yeah. we're gonna just go right into dissecting. I did. I did use used toilet paper. So we should point out that in Thailand, or at least in this spot we were in, you don't put toilet paper in the toilet. That's correct. Nor is there toilet paper just available to you anywhere. And this was not the only really mortifying poop experience that we had in Thailand. There There was also, remember that other bathroom we went to? Well, bathroom, it was just a hole in the ground. And we kind of both had that look of just devastation after coming out of... It felt like you were kind of in a pit and you just... You just had to aim. Well, that's what my story kind of gets into. Yeah, yeah. There were several to choose from. But yes, on this particular day, typically, as referenced in the story, there is a wonderful guy or gal that is sitting at the entrance of a public restroom and you give them some money and in exchange they give you like three or four squares of toilet paper. And that might not sound like much, but compared to nothing, you really realize how valuable those three or four squares are. On this particular day, there was nobody there. And I learned the hard way. And how do you feel about yourself now in 2022, (laughs) having gone through that? Do you feel... um... I'm okay with myself now. I'm comfortable... In my own skin. I think now that I've shared this story with you and it's okay, I was able to share it well with the whole world, really. We'll have to find out if our listeners are okay and the consumers off our audiobook. Yeah, uh, how's everybody doing out there knowing this information about us? Shoot us a message at, what's our email? MikeandKristinCreative at gmail.com. Rank on a hot scale of one to ten how attracted you are to me right now, <laughs> having read this. It's resourceful, though. I mean, I well, did what I had it to was do. What you had to do. It's what I had to do. Yeah, those bathrooms over there. Uh, not everyone, but it's just a different, a different vibe, a different culture. It's uh, it's not not like here. It's just you, know, like you said. There's holes in the ground. There's 
not toilet paper in the stalls. It's that whole day, though, like I entered that scenario having just been thrown up on, essentially, or like all our stuff had vomit yeah. on it from the passengers sitting in front of us being carsick. <laughs> so you would think what a terrible, disgusting thing to have happened to you. But that isn't really even part of my memory bank from that day. Because, yeah, what happened next was just so much more devastating. I do remember running back to the van and kind of climbing in next to you and just feeling really quiet. Like I I didn't really, I didn't want to lie, but I, I just didn't have it in me to tell you until years later you what I had done. Secret. Yeah, I felt a bit of shame. But it was desperate. It's just what happened. Is Do you have any other secrets like that? When I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm just going to go for it. I apologize. Should I change the name of friends for privacy here if I'm including someone else? Perhaps. One of my childhood best friends and I used to bike to our community church. It was just a couple doors down from where I was. But at the time they didn't lock the church. So we were able to go in and break in. Yeah. We'd play like we'd use the microphone and um, they had a bunch of crafts that they used at Sunday school that we would dig into. And yeah, I guess break and enter as children, but no, we didn't do anything bad. We weren't being distracted. We were just playing, but for whatever reason, because my house was right next door, we very easily could have gone home to use the bathroom or the one in the church. But we, I remember pooping outside of the church and using a handful of Queen Anne's lace, which is that white weed that grows every spring. We have it in front of our house too. <laughs> and so that has kind of become a bit of a an inside or ongoing joke between myself and this friend of mine where Queen Anne's Lace has kind of just been a constant in our communication and poking fun at each other, knowing that. And we had like multiple, I mean, into our teenage years, we use Queen Anne's Lace in case of emergency for having to pee on the side of the road or otherwise. So that's a good tip, really. If you're desperate, it's, it's functional. It works. Yeah, it's better than crusty leaves. And so you could have went into the church bathroom, but what made you think it was better to go I outside don't know. and use I was a branch? Seven. I was, I don't know. You're a stupid seven-year-old. stupid seven-year-old, yeah. yeah. I, I've learned since then, and now I just use squares of other people's toilet paper. Well, you've come a long way, and I'm proud of you and glad to be <laughs> married to you. And uh, Maybe you'll send me that hot scale yourself. I'll, I'll, you're always a 10 in my eyes. How did you feel about me when I shared this story with you for the first time? Well, it's... Uh, my love didn't change any, I'll say that, but, uh, you know, I, I looked at you a little bit differently for, no, I, I didn't care. You, could, you didn't care because you could relate because you, my friend, had a much worse story, some might argue. Yeah. But before we listen to your story, do you have, what are the stories that you've not shared with me? Today's episode is sponsored by Room 152 Clothing Boutique one of our new favorite places to feel spoiled, play dress up, and find unique pieces sold from the kindest staff. Room 152 Clothing Boutique is a consignment shop in downtown Dartmouth, Nova Scotia that epitomizes everything that's cool about buying pre-loved clothing. 
It's a contemporary curated mix of high-end designer pieces you can't get in these parts. They have a selection of pieces that you may have only seen online. Mulberry purses, Chanel swag, and embroidered Levi's jackets like the one I just picked up. Why pay wild prices for pieces someone else already has? Keep clothing out of the landfill and do your civic duty. Buy that dress, those shoes, or fabulous bag you love at a resale price. Follow this shop we love on Instagram at room underscore 152 and online at www.room152boutique.com. Okay, I've got a, a pretty funny one. Um, so this is a long time, 20 years ago, uh, back when my my old band, Billy's Flick, who you saw perform at the Hoff, mm-hmm. um, I think it probably would have been even probably three years before that. Like it's probably just 19. <clears throat> and we, it was the, the heart of the summer, like end of July, start of August. And we had this big gig at the Hoff and I, I sweat a lot in general. Like I'm just a disgusting ball of drip. I mention it a lot in the book, actually. Like there's a lot, a Somebody lot of... recommended that our story should be based on a sweat scale <laughs> because we talk about sweating so much. <laughs> so there's a lot of, a lot of sweat. Like we played for like, from nine till two, like that's what you used to do back in the day. Like obviously there's set breaks in there, but it's just a ridiculous amount of of sweat happened. And I wasn't wasn't uh, drinking really any alcohol, maybe a beer at the end of the night or something. But between sets, I'd drink like three liters of water, and probably drank yeah at least probably nine liters of water or something. It just comes right out of you and. Like I'm just sweating it out after each set. It's probably forty degrees in the bar, and <clears throat> so I drink whatever nine, ten liters of water, <laughs> and that just well wrecks havoc on your stomach and guts. Like you can die from drinking that much water. But anyway, so in my small town in Inverness, there's no restaurants or anything open. Uh, pat at two o'clock, like when when the half close, like of you course. can't get food. And we were young and stupid and it's like three o'clock in the morning and like, let's, let's go to Port Hawkesbury, get something to eat. And like, there was a big crew of us around and like, I think three cars went and, uh, I jumped in a car and so whoever was driving was with their girlfriend, someone else with their girlfriend. There was, there was like, I think, wait, two, four, there were six or eight of us in a car with, mm-hmm. with five seats. Yeah. And so this uh, girl I knew, and we, we both kind of liked each other. We uh, And I think we might have had kissed before then. I can't remember. But anyway. <gasps> Haven't told me this story. I didn't huh? tell you this story. Uh, <laughs> we we get in the car and she sits on my lap. Of course. And like I think, yeah, the whole back row. Yeah, there were six people in the back row and every those three guys and every guy had a girl on their lap friggin musicians well no it was just we we're hungry we oh, wanted to go get something to eat Gotta go to McDonald's. <laughs> no we we're going to the big stop uh so it's 3 30 in the morning and we're gonna drive to port hawksbury to get something to eat and uh we take off and uh we were like 10 minutes into the 
drive. Like, you're not even outside Inverness, really. And it's an hour-ish. It's an hour drive. Yeah. And uh, so this girl sitting on my lap, and we kind of, we start just making out a little, and my guts, like, start kind of rumbling. Like, I'm like, oh, this this doesn't feel very good. You thought that you just had butterflies, huh? From all the excitement? Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, like, I got to just let a little fart go here. <laughs> got to focus here for a minute. Well, I got to get this out of me, just... And so I, I tried to just, you know, have a little... Pass a little gas. Mm-hmm. But it didn't end up being gas. Like, that water... Like, I sweat out most oh, of it. Oh, dear God. But it's, like... It came right out of me while I was had this girl on my lap making out with her. Oh. So, and ladies and gentlemen, my <laughs> husband. <laughs> so that that happened, and then we have another fifty minutes to drive, and it wasn't like a. Did you know? Like, I knew. Were you like, yeah. oh, I'm wet right now? Yeah, I, I like rolled yeah. down the window and. Oh God! Like said like. Someone said, like, someone mentioned the smell or something, and I said, oh, it must be the pulp mill, even because there was a pulp mill in Port Hawks Bay. But we <laughs> and were that still didn't become 50, your nickname? No one, no one figured it out. But anyways, I'm like, it was, yeah, it wasn't, like, really bad, but it, it happened, you know, mm-hmm. and, like, it wasn't ideal. Like, I was, started sweating immediately. <laughs> like, what the hell am I going to freaking pull this off? So we drive the 50 minutes the rest of the way to Port Hawkesbury. And then I realized this was back in like, whatever, 2002 or three, back when khaki colored uh, mm-hmm. shorts and pants were a thing. So I played played the show with uh, khaki shorts. Now it's a rule now, uh, you don't wear shorts on stage, no shorts on stage. Or khaki. Or khaki in general, but mm-hmm. I had a pair of khaki shorts on. Mm. And then we Wet. get we get to Port Hawkesbury and everyone's just piling out, like, oh yeah, you guys just go ahead there. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's okay. Yeah. And I, I stand up, I'm like, oh, fuck. I like, bet you did. I've been sitting on myself for an hour. Oh. So it like soaked through. So there's like a, not a big one, but there was a, a little, there was evidence of what had happened. So I'm like, what the fuck do I do? So then I decided, like, I just hike my shorts up really high. So my shirt would cover the back. Oh. So that everyone's in in the big stop. Um, it's whatever, four or five in the morning I'm at so this point. so upset for you. <laughs> I got my shorts just pulled right up to my chest. Which I'm sure nobody would have noticed. <laughs> well, the thing is... Like, like, first there was the smell, then Mike stays behind in the car, and then he <laughs> enters with his shorts up to his neck. Yeah, just all legs. And, uh, but again, we're just, it's we're, we're young and just doing a... Like we just went on a adventure kind of thing. No yeah. one's paying attention to stuff like that. So I managed to get away with uh, not no one really knowing, but I did shit my pants while I had a girl sitting on my lap oh my in God. a car. I have so many. Qu- so did you go to the bathroom and try to do yeah, a quick yeah. cleanup? That's and- what I went to the bathroom after everyone went in, and that's when I decided to like hike my pants up. And again, it wasn't like a a giant 
splat, but it did did happen. <laughs> Do your bandmates know this story? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. No, I told told Never. everyone shortly after, but it was like. Did the girl ever find out that you know of? I don't think so. Yeah. Like, well, she knows now. She's uh, listening. She knows who she is. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was. Uh, did she like after that night? Did you continue to date? Because that might be an indicator yeah. as to whether she really knew or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, she probably knew then. <laughs> no, everyone was basically drunk, other than the driver. So, it was... well, one of our first dates. <clears throat> excuse me, one of our first dates that you were at my house. <laughs> I seem to recall like a little bit of digestion issue happening. Yeah, I, well, I have had irritable bowel syndrome for a while. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I've lately have changed my diet enough and figured things out enough that you know can can take care of it. But I remember being at your house, your apartment, and <laughs> well, when you have irritable bowel, you you have to. Pass gas a lot. But, re- I'm but, sorry. I just, I remember telling my mother <laughs> when we first started dating, I was like, well, he chews with his mouth open and he farts a lot, but I, I still really like him. Well, At the, the time, the point you of definitely the story is that I didn't fart around you. Well, eventually you did. Well, yeah, once, like, Okay, a while. you finish your, we'll just say it progressed into feeling much more comfortable around each other. Eventually. As it should. Yeah, but, it, I hope it would. Yeah. But I was at your apartment and I was just holding in <laughs> my gas, which is not healthy. And then... I, it's healthy for your courting. Yeah, it is it is something that has to be done, but it probably can kill you. Like, I probably almost died that day. Um, so I held in farts for, I don't know four hours or something <laughs> and then i went in the bathroom and my stomach's like in pain and just like so bloated oh, and then so i just i went down on all fours <laughs> on your bathroom floor and try like while i don't know you were maybe cooking something or getting a whatever ready i was in the bathroom down all fours arching my back to try to like cat cow in yoga. Yeah, to mm-hmm. try to get it out of me so I wouldn't have to hold in this horrible pain. Like the sacrifice I went through to hold that in. It's worth it though, right? Well, I I think. Like, <laughs> we're married are, now. Yeah, those are the things that you go through when you're dating. Like everything has to be just as perfect as possible. But we grew out of that. I actually remember you showing me... The cat cow passing gas trick once when I was feeling bound up. We were at Shakespeare by the Sea. <laughs> Do you remember this? Yeah, yeah. Watching one of the plays, we were with our friend Sarah. And you both had really excellent advice on like IBS related. I think maybe she was having some difficulties at some point in her life too with digestion. And you both like were really coaching me well, through you, it. You go on your knees and you put your you keep your bum up, but you put your like chest down low. So it's like your arse is cranked yeah. up as high as it can be. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably it like they recommend when you're 
pooping that you're supposed to have your feet up like on a little stool, right? Because what? it creates more of a flow. What with kind your... of psychopaths do that? You know, it's true. Look it up. Well, maybe maybe people. That's in why they have New these York. only holes in the ground in Thailand and a well, lot of Asian countries. Let's get into my story here, then. Yeah. Uh, why not? Uh, I let's, already. This is going to go full. I throttle. already told you about shitting my pants while making out with a girl. Uh, yeah. So this is worse than that, I would say. Uh, yeah. There's a lot <laughs> of things that happen in this one. So yeah. here we go. Coco's Masterpiece, Love and Shit. In terms of the worst travel shit I ever had, it's fairly hard to choose. The thing about traveling is that a good third of it is just horrific shitting disasters. And that's fine. You can only talk about getting a tan, sunsets, and had-to-be-there moments to your friends for so long. Eventually the real stories come out. The shit stories. That's what everyone wants to hear. Yeah, the food was good and all, but did you have to shit in a tub? Did you get chased down an alley by a gang who you fought off with diarrhea? For me, I think I have to go with the episode at the Elephant Reserve in Thailand. We rode a cute elephant named Moolah who we told ourselves was treated well and had lots of room to run around. At night they gave her an endless bucket of peanuts and all the animals got together to dance and tell each other how much they loved each other. Either way, it sure as hell was fun to ride on top of a giant animal and put all your trust into her. After our ride, Moolah's younger buds were doing an art show. I didn't know it myself, but elephants are phenomenal artists. They grab that brush with their trunk and go to town, every piece of Van Gogh-like triumph. At least that's what I remember. This was at the point when the Thai gurgles started to kick in. It doesn't take long for a traveler from small-town Nova Scotia to know what this means. By day two in Bangkok, the concept of using the bathroom had turned to erupt like the world is ending and the source of destruction lies at your anus. When the Thai gurgle started, I nodded to Kristen and she knew. There's a beautiful thing about getting to know someone on that deeper level. You can communicate a whole novel with a quick glance. Things you'd never say or do early on become commonplace. This trip brought us closer together on a level I'd never experienced before then. There's only so much you can learn about someone when you're dressed up and talking over a candlelit dinner or drinking martinis. You either fall apart or bond and become inseparable when you're sharing a small room and have only eaten curry for a month. Coco may have been creating the next Mona Lisa, but I was on a mission to the nearest bathroom. I bolted out as the crowd cheered in awe. Thankfully, the toilet was around the corner. There were six stalls, and I went into the last one, assuming it to be the least used. There was a hole in the ground about as round as a grapefruit. No seat, no handles. Just a small hole in the need for extreme accuracy. I was never one to be able to bend my knees. I played sports my whole life, could jump pretty high and run for miles, but I could never really bend my knees. Even when I was in Little League Baseball, I couldn't play catcher because I couldn't get into that position. At eight years old. At 32, my legs might as well have just been solid two-by-fours. I dropped my shorts and bent the two inches my knees would allow. With the tie gurgles, there's not a whole lot of planning that happens. You drop your shorts and the bomb goes off. 
There was a large amount of precision, angles, geometry, and physics needed to pull this off accurately. What happened was the exact opposite of that. If I was told that when I got into that stall, my sole purpose was to not allow one drop to enter that hole, I would have emerged a king of grand proportions. The saga of the Titanic is often used as a metaphor for disastrous failure. What happened in that sixth stall on a hot day in Thailand at the Elephant Reserve while Coco painted her masterpiece was nothing short of a definitive tragedy far surpassing the fateful voyage of the infamous ship. The explosion shot like an unmanned fire hose everywhere I didn't want it to go. My legs were covered, my shorts covered, my feet covered. Not a single drop made it into that hole. I stood there, bent over two inches and thought that this was as bad as it could get. This was my rock bottom. I was covered in shit, pouring sweat, and the nearest toilet paper was a three-hour bus ride away. In the surging swirl of life in its ups and downs, I was on a very down part of it all. And then I heard footsteps. A lone man, softly singing to himself, came into the bathroom. There was water running. He opened a door to a stall. I heard the sound of splashing. He was cleaning the stalls. And by cleaning the stalls, this meant that he went into stall number one and threw buckets of water onto the floor so it washed the shit and piss off the ground. That elixir ran down the sloped ground and continued to clean the floors of stalls one through five till it got to six, where I was, and emptied out of a hole in the wall beside me. I could hear the water coming, but there was nothing I could do. I was still using 100% of my brain power to figure out how to get the shit off my body. If Heidi Klum walked by and told me to come with her, I would just shake my head, figuring out shit situation. I heard the water coming, but it was inevitable. And then it hit me. The swirl of water and shit and piss and whatever else from stalls one through five ran over my feet. I could see chunks of this, chunks of that. My feet were being covered in the washout of a thousand turds and mishaps. I didn't cry, but I started to fake sob. That's basically crying, I suppose. As I watched the shit water wash over my feet... A lizard fell from the roof and onto my shoulder. A fucking lizard. I was covered in my own shit, had a tsunami of other people's on my feet, and now had a lizard to deal with. I closed my eyes and wondered how Coco's painting ended up. Did he create his magnum opus? Was I missing out on the birth of his masterpiece? I knew that getting back to a position where I could, at the very least, be compared favorably to a trash can was a multi-step process. My first order of business was to get my new friend off me. He wasn't big, but any size lizard is still a fucking lizard. I started to wiggle. I've never been possessed, but assumed that the movements I made were similar to those when a spirit is leaving one's body. I wiggled for all I was worth. It wasn't quite dancing, but similar to a hippie at Burning Man takes all the drugs type of shuffle. When I opened my eyes, the lizard was gone. I couldn't see it anywhere, so there's a fair chance that the only thing that got into the hole that day was poor little baby Godzilla. Next, I had to get some level of the shit off me. I'd be happy with 70%, but knew that anything close to 50% would be respectable. I took my shorts off and walked out of the stall. My bottom half was bare and hanging freely, but I didn't care. 
It's hard to really care about anything in that situation, and a dangling penis in public was not on the list. I had heard the man running water, so I knew there was a tap somewhere nearby. I scoured every inch of the wall until I found it. It was so low to the floor it might as well have just come out of the ground. There was at the most a foot of space to get my naked body under. I was already so far into the not giving a fuck stage I just laid down on the ground under the tap and rolled around with the water flowing, my dong flopping around and people walking in trying with all their available strength to avoid eye contact with me. I got up, ran the water over my clothes and wrung them out. I was soaked and pathetic but more or less clean. I got dressed and walked back to the show, hoping to catch a glimpse of Coco's masterpiece. So that just happened. So that that's a nice memory for us to have from yeah. our travels, isn't it? Yeah. I remember your face coming back. From, you were white and like... You were actually almost gray and kind of dewy, like just <laughs> well, devastated. Well, I was soaked from the, the hole or that's the That's true. Tap. Maybe that's why you were wet. Well, it, it felt like more of a just n- almost nervousness thing. It's just like Thailand is so, it's like 45 degrees, so I'm just sweating yeah. anyway, then a nervous sweat, then I'm soaked. <laughs> and yeah, there's a, a lot of things happening all at once. It was like you just killed someone though. I'm, like it was that kind of like fear and just so much negative emotion in yeah. your face. <laughs> yeah, I was uh I wasn't at my best. It wasn't my best moment. How did you feel like knowing that this wave was coming towards well, you? Well, like I say in the story, there's just there was nothing I could do. Like just the the situation was just it was inevitable. And at that point, I was, I don't know if I want to say I accepted what was what was going on, but it's like anything you do that's hard, like <laughs> once you just, once you're just in the midst of it, it's like, okay, it's, it's happening. It's, it's going on. So I was, I was in the throes of a disaster. Yeah. Shit, this was shit disaster. out of your hands. I understand. And like just the chances of like a lizard. And again, like I said, it was it was a tiny little lizard, but every lizard's a fucking lizard. Um, chance of that falling on me during this whole process it was like that made me believe in God, really. Like, Just for things to be able to escalate to that yeah, like, state of drama, mm-hmm. it was there's some higher power creating this scenario. It can't just all be chance. Yeah, it's one thing. Like we said earlier, it's inevitable that if you're traveling internationally, especially like a backpacker style and yeah. some sketchier places or eating street food or whatever the case might be, it's bound to happen to you. Like you will yeah. experience some of these things. But this was kind of everything rolled into one, like every possible scenario that. We had a, a really full day too. We were like on that tour, like went to the Butterfly Observatory, yeah. uh, a yeah, waterfall. We went a few places. We yeah, rode right. the elephant. Yeah. Um. So this was just at the very end of it too, and like it was <laughs> way to cap off the perfect day. Yeah, it was an amazing day. Like, yeah, we swam in like these beautiful hot spring or whatever it was, and and yeah, it was just. 
we were still pretty new in a relationship too like not we weren't super far far in uh so yeah it was kind of our first big international trip together yeah it was and it was like i didn't i didn't want to tell you exactly what happened when i came out just because <laughs> oh i know the feeling cuz <laughs> we were again we were obviously I think I say in the prologue of her book, uh, where is a copy of her book? Is there one around? I don't think there's one in here. I'm going to get one. So in our prologue, I, I essentially get to get to this. Like, There's only so much you can learn about someone when you're dressed up and talking over a candlelit dinner. Drinking martinis. <laughs> I'm going to say the sentence again. <laughs> There's only so much you can learn about someone when you're dressed up and talking over a candlelit dinner drinking martinis. You either fall apart or bond and become inseparable when you're sharing a small room and have only eaten curry for a month. So I think that trip, that that whole trip was kind of a real bonding experience for us. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. I think anybody who dares travel together for, we were gone almost five weeks on that yeah, trip. Well, and we did a month in Thailand and then a week in San Francisco on yeah, the way back. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, it was a, ultimately a great experience and we can now look back on these stories and laugh about them. And I think for a lot of people traveling maybe the death of a relationship because it points out ways in which it might not work, right? Of course. And we have found ways that were alike in our travels and have adapted to those that were not. Well, yeah, for for us, it just brought us closer together because we realized yeah, how well we work together, how we have the same approach to different things, the same mindset. We're both cheap bastards. And <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think like, a month-long trip for a lot of new couples would, would end in disaster, really. <laughs> it had its disastrous moments, not as far as conflict, but as far as, yeah, having the shits most of the time. Yeah, but Sweating. That... We just sweat so. <laughs> it was so hot everywhere. But all those things were just, I guess, when you first start to see someone and you're like, think they're really pretty and cool, like, you don't really see them as a, human <laughs> you see them you see them like you just see all the good things about them and you can't imagine like well I bet she sweats a lot or <laughs> right I'm glad we steered away from the objectifying nature that that could have led to but yes that's no. true you <clears throat> yeah. see them as, at their best yeah but again it's because we're behaving at our best like not farting in front of one another and going to the bathroom in agony after four hours but when you don't know everything about someone, like you would never, you'd never assume all these little things that in a long-term relationship, you get to know all those little things about each other. And that really, it brings you closer together, obviously, but it just makes you more, more human. Like think of like famous people, like they're, like you can't picture Angelina Jolie sweating like a 
<laughs> sweating like a rhinoceros and we are now like, i am picturing that now yeah but do you think that in hindsight i mean things obviously worked out for us so maybe this is a tricky question but do you think that that's how we should behave when we're dating or is it just kind of how it is like do you have any advice for that <laughs> stage of things well, now you, that you we've have, surpassed it you have to hold in your farts for a while for sure yeah, yeah. Like, probably better off for everyone but but on the other hand there's something to be said for just showing up completely and utterly yourself and if that's part oh, of yeah, your well, openness always be and, yourself like and of I don't think either of us weren't being ourselves. It's just seeing seeing each other in compromised states or seeing you puking and holding your hair back like <laughs> like just for example. Uh, yeah, things like that. Like like you and you get to share those moments. Like even if they're bad, it's like these are things we went through together. Mm-hmm. These bring us closer. I'd love to hear if anybody's listening and has a comparable st- story. It doesn't have to be with a couple either, but we'd be curious to hear. Make it, ourselves feel better. It doesn't have to be a poop story either. Just like any type of uh, hardship that you experience as a as a duo, a group, whatever it may be, but something that maybe brought you closer together. Cause, I, yeah. Because I think this, yeah, this trip, like at the end of it, we were we were much closer. Yeah. Like we knew each other on this deeper level. Like I say in the prologue there, it's exactly that. You when you're just dressed your best, you're drinking a fancy drink and just essentially trying to impress the other person, like you don't get a true version of what that person is. And that's that's fine. That's just the normal way it is. But any time you get into a, a longer relationship or getting to know someone better, even just with your friends. like Yeah, or even yourself. Like going through a hardship, be it with another person or with yourself, ultimately develops a new kind of bond or trust or relationship. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I feel grateful for that trip and the, the shits we had, you know? Like we're here now because of all that. Well, this whole book really is about mishaps or travel disasters or yeah. things that we overcame together which is inevitable again while you're traveling but I love that these are the kinds of things that at the time may have felt stressful or embarrassing or tedious whatever the circumstances were but now as a result we have a full book of these hilarious stories. Yeah and a lot of people probably wouldn't want to go through some of the things we went through and some of the things we wrote about. <laughs> Not that we like went through anything horrendous or, or whatever, but just I think our personalities are a little more, lean a little bit more towards kind of making fun of ourselves. and. Yeah, we've developed the ability to laugh at ourselves or roll with the punches and... I think it requires both of us to have that attitude as well. That's not to say that there's there's been plenty of occasions where the others kind of helped lift the other person up in a particular moment. Yeah. And I think there's lots of people who 
just wouldn't go to a place where you have to shit into holes in the ground in the first place. Sure. Like that's just, fair. and that's fine. Like nothing against those people, uh, <laughs> which like, a lot of people, we know, wouldn't want to <laughs> want to do that. But I think just if you're willing to go out and do, that's just an example. But if you're willing to go and do things off that nature, th- more things are going to happen, like the stories in our book. If you're traveling to some of these off the beaten path destinations and it's bound to happen you're you're going to encounter some of these challenging scenarios but for us at least it's it's kind of what bonded us early at, like having done that trip but it's something that we also have in common that we enjoy travel and adventure in general yeah a lot of people wouldn't want to whatever have to deal with random drug dealers approaching them or <laughs> Just like a lot of the things that, that happen, like when you kind of put yourself out there and that's fine. Everyone, everyone has a different preference of how they want to live their life and, and experience it. I love, I love those moments. I love encountering just people out there in the world and the interaction and transactions we have together. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I kind of like to just roll with whatever happens and, and see where it goes. And that's, again, just my personality and, and your personality. But a lot of people like to have more of a routine, more of a, of a knowledge of what may happen. And yeah, the predictability of it. I would say that's why resorts, for example, are so popular because it's yeah. it's easy. You're getting picked up at the airport with a beer in your hand. You're getting dropped off at your door. It's a routine every day. And I think we, we indulge in that once in a while in those kinds of experiences. And it feels extra glam because we're yeah. not having to poop in holes. Like we get our very own room and very own bathroom and... It it just feels so luxurious. And all the guests are, you know, are going to be kind of similar to you. Like, mm-hmm. based on the price range you can afford at a resort, you know, like, if you're paying <laughs> for, like, the cheapest resort, it, like, that's all you can afford. People are going to be, like, like you, like, broke students or whatever who's going yeah. there. If you can afford uh, the highest end one, you know, most people are going to be coming from the same... The same uh, economic background, likely. and Well, and we've both experienced, I mean, you lived off pizza crust and mustard for five years of your life in your 20s. And when I was traveling in my 20s, it was so incredibly shoestring that I got Giardia in Guatemala. I slept on a rooftop in El Salvador while war raged in the streets below. I jumped over rats to like get sick in the middle of the night at this cheap hostel in Honduras. Like we've had the like mega and opposite end of the spectrum of hardcore travel as well. And we're fortunate enough now that we're (laughs) grownups that we can indulge in something a little bit, a little upgrade from no rats in the room at least. Yeah. As you, as you grow a little older, you obviously change your preferences on what you want to experience and, and that's a great thing about the world and 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 the travels that you can have in it. You can you can cater to however you want it to be. Like you, 
That's such a good point that you can make adventure and excitement and newness. Well, we've been doing that the last couple of years just within Nova Scotia. Yeah, or or not do anything. Like you can just stay in your town and yeah. or wherever you live. You don't have to go anywhere. Yeah, and you can read about stories or listen to stories like ours yeah. and <laughs> experience vicariously what it's all about. Well, that's what we said about our book is like maybe it will inspire people who like to travel to to get out there again, to go see new places, do new things. But also the people who don't travel, this is like a basic 200 and how many pages is our book? Yeah, this is your justification for just staying nice and comfortable in your living room. (gasps) And 15, 214 pages that illustrate why you shouldn't travel. Like, well, I can laugh at their expense, but I do not want to experience those things. Yeah, I do not envy them. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes, and playing playing music, like I've experienced a lot. It's like you're playing a show that you know is it's going horrible, but you know it's going to be a good story afterwards because there's yeah. something attached to it. So, and I think that just might be a mindset thing, but. In the in the middle of going through it, you gotta take it as okay. This might not be perfect right now, but afterwards, it's gonna be a good story to tell. That, that's just it. And I think having been through enough of these experiences now, enough that we've written a book about it, that we know to expect that. So we we know now that when we head out with our backpacks, that while it's uncertain what the circumstances might be or the challenge that something will happen (laughs) yeah and that's that's the beauty of it in my eyes like i love that unknown like i I don't want to like have to figure out how i'm going to eat that day or yeah anything like that but i'm like i'm excited to see who we're going to come across who we're going to meet like i think that comes more naturally to you in some ways though having lived your life as an artist even i mean most artists entrepreneurs have to be comfortable to some extent with uncertainty and our brains don't find that the most natural state to exist in but you're probably more practiced at dealing with that i think most people want to have routine and structure and that's perfectly normal and i i obviously don't mind that in lots of cases but yeah for a large portion of my life it's just trying to figure out uh okay we gotta i gotta get a show next next month to be able to pay rent or Mm -hmm. and that's that's not i don't want to live like that right now or anything but it's uh just creates a different mindset and openness and and i guess willingness to put yourself in situations with without known outcomes yeah, lots of people, and I'm I'm relating this to work mostly, but I'd say the majority of the population has expectations of what their long game looks like. So if you're working in a corporate gig like I did for a decade, I, I know what time I have to be at the office. I know that Tuesdays I have this particular meeting. Uh, I know when my lunch hour is and which restaurants are within a few block walk like all of those things sort of become routine. And I I used to kind of attribute that 
desire to keep doing that is like, well, this is one less thing I have to worry about. Like of all the things I need to think about and worry about in my life, I don't have to worry about what my day looks like or what income I'm going to earn and all these things. But that's kind of shifted for me where I, I'm more, I'm more excited by the idea of the unknown. It's scary, but it's certainly more exhilarating. But you've, you're just kind of like cool in that space. <laughs> <laughs> I remember um, my old band, we, we had toured Ontario and it was just before Christmas. It was like December 21st or something. And the whole time I planned to, like we were going to be driving back home, but I'm like, I want to hitchhike back. Like I want to do this just cause to see mm-hmm. what adventures would happen. And, uh. Didn't even have a winter jacket, didn't have gloves. Oh I remember staying at uh, Bruce, uh, my bandmate's brother's place. And he's like, do you have gloves or what? And yeah, I'm like, no, I'm anything? all good. And he's like, well, at least take a pair of socks to put on your hand. So he gave me a pair of his socks that I was going to wear on my hands as gloves to hitchhike across Canada. And the day I was about to leave, we had a flash freeze in Ottawa and it went down to minus 46 and I'm like, fuck, I guess I can't. That was a message from I'm like, I can't do it. Like, so, so I decided, uh, I'd, I'd go back in the van. Was that when you, is that Hank? That That was Hank the van. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we built a big, that night, um, right before it dropped down to minus 46, the snow was perfect for a snowman or whatever we wanted to build. And we thought it would be a good idea to go on to the parliament, like right in front of the, the building and build a giant snow penis. And Who wouldn't have had that idea? So we built a giant a snow penis until the cops came and made us crush it. Oh, so it didn't freeze in place? That's where I thought no, this was No, it was there for like whatever, a couple hours. and Yeah. I'm sure... Uh, I don't know who would have been the prime minister at that time. Uh, Gretchen? It was like 2002 or three. So you, I'm sure they saw it out the window. I'm just, sure. Yeah. I'm sure the penis was appreciated by all part, part of a winter. And these festival. things, the hitchhiking and building snow penis are not things I would want to do right now. At this point in <laughs> my life. Just to be clear. <laughs> yeah. Just to be clear. But these are just the, the, the mindset and ideals of uh, someone who's 19 or 20. Mm-hmm. And I still, again, like, I guess that's just a mindset thing. Like I'm not as far gone as wanting to hitchhike across the country just for no reason, but I will do things similar to that, that are a little bit more adventurous. But yeah, as I get older, like I. Yeah. You have an adventurous spirit and you always will. That's part of what we sh- have in common and probably celebrate in one another. Yeah, it makes us who we are, and that's why we why we are doing all these things we're doing. Yeah. We should probably close up here so that we don't reveal too many other embarrassing stories from our past. I don't that's all I have. I don't have any other that's ones. That's it. Yeah. Oh, that's your full encyclopedia, huh? Yeah. Well, I've got news for you. Uh, well, we'll get into <laughs> another episode then. Yeah, it's you got a sexy night ahead. Uh. <laughs> okay, folks. Well, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we're sorry. Yeah, sorry. Uh, we're so glad you're listening. Give us a subscribe on wherever you listen to this, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
And also check out our website. You can grab a copy of our book, um, www.mikeandkristen.ca. Nailed it. Yeah, you can read these stories over and over and over again. Hear the stories. Maybe have a laugh. Feel better. And send us your stories. Yeah, send us some stories there. Um, we'd love to hear them. Maybe, we, maybe we'd read one of your stories online. Yeah, on if, you, if you get really lucky, we'll choose the best, uh, the best shit story or embarrassing story and uh, give it a read. We can keep it anonymous. Yeah, if, if whatever, whatever you prefer. Right on. Thanks so much, buds. I hope you're doing well, and we'll see you soon.